Hello, and welcome to Small Business Happy Hour, a podcast where we interview a different entrepreneur or small business owner every week to hear their story. We chat about their business, passions, struggles, and all things small business. Oh, and we drink with our guests during the interview, hence the happy hour. I'm your host, Derek, founder of Yoga for All Humans, a fully online yoga studio. And I'm your host, Holly, creator of the blog, The Bitter Lemon, and author of many books. We are so happy you're here. Hi, Holly. What's up? What up? What up? I was talking to someone the other day at work and... You know, because like whenever you get on a conference call at work before everyone's there, you're making like awkward small talk, you know? Yeah. And I said that, like, what's up? And they said something. And I was like, do you remember back in the day whenever we would say what's up and people would be like, the sky? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to say like those Budweiser, was it Budweiser commercial? That would be like the what's up? <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Was it Budweiser? I don't remember. Maybe so. I Which think is so. Hor- it's horrible. Those were so popular. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they went away for a long time. And then I think like a few Super Bowls ago, they brought it back or something. Yeah. And it was like, oh my gosh, what a moment in time that was. Yeah. That did, that was, that was very prevalent. Yeah. I feel like it was <laughs> like, the like scary movie like the the parody yeah. you know i feel like it was one of the parody movies yeah what it definitely was uh <laughs> um what is up let's see um i went to the mardi Gras ball this past weekend which is what i talked about last week getting ready for yes and it was a, a success we had a lot of fun i didn't think about it ahead of time like requesting what i wanted to drink um because like the how it usually works is whoever is your host you know that invited you to the party they provide you know all the goods for the table right food and okay okay and my parents own a restaurant with a bar so they had like a bunch of like hard liquor and stuff right and like okay. a few bottles of champagne which i hope weren't meant for anyone else because me <laughs> Wesley and my stepsister and her boyfriend drank all the champagne, basically. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then, like, once the champagne was out, I was like, I don't want hard liquor. Like, because, like, after the New Year's Eve party, I still don't. (laughs) I'm a little scarred still from drinking too much vodka at the Halloween party. So, (laughs) party at the New Year's party. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, so I we I made those jello shots, the the champagne jello shots that I sent you a picture of. Yeah. I just kept eating those and then drinking. Yeah. So I didn't actually get too drunk. It was nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. But we had a lot of fun. I even danced a little because you know my mom wanted me to. Yeah. Um, but my secret that Holly knows, and now a lot of people in Natchitoches, Louisiana know, is if you can't dance, you can just do the Macarena. <laughs> literally to any song if you just do the macarena you can do it fast or slow and it it goes with any beat so that's what i did and it was fun so while you were gone and i was at your house like watching watching your house and your pets uh of course i was getting my netflix fix because i don't have netflix. <laughs> i don't know if it's technically i think it's technically a documentary but it's called american symphony and it's john batiste 
story with his partner, Suleika. So the documentary was originally supposed to just be about him and like how he had this idea to create an American symphony. Like, what would that look like? What kind of musicians would make up an American symphony? And then he was like, I'll put it together and we'll do one night at Carnegie Hall. And that's what the documentary was going to be about. But on the same day that he learned that he was nominated for 11 Grammy Awards, it was also the same day that his partner, Sulaika, found out that her leukemia was back after like 10 years of it being in remission. So the documentary turned into, you know, both of their journeys, like how she is navigating this illness while he's having like this incredible time in his career. And I knew it was going to be like about both of those things. Cause I had seen some of like the interviews that he did about it, but it was so good. I really love both of them. Like I read her, you know, I think we both, you read her we book. Too, read right? her book. Yeah. yeah. So we both read her book. He, I love his music. I love his energy. It's about two hours long. You, you do see like scenes of them spending time together in the hospital. Cause she goes in for like a bone marrow transplant and you have to stay at the hospital for like a month. So he's like going off doing like the Grammy performance and rehearsals for the symphony while she's like in the hospital. And I just found that my perspective on like being a creative person is that you're never going to have like a time in your life where you have like a perfect moment to write a book or, you know, write a script or whatever it is, like whatever your thing is. I think a lot of people I know, particularly writers, like have that idea in their head. They're like, oh, I'll just take a year off work and rent a cabin somewhere and write the great American novel and that's it. And like that is so far from like my idea of like what life is and whatever. And so I felt like this documentary truly like was the visual of that because he even says like, this is my journey right now. Like my journey is, you know, getting five Grammys and putting together this night at Carnegie hall. And Sue Lyka's journey is in the back of an ambulance. Like that is how life is. And my journey may not always look like this and hers hasn't always looked like this either. And that's just how it is. And like, it's really beautiful. It has a ton of music in it. It's up for several Academy Awards. It's already won several awards, but if you're like a creative person or if you like John Batiste, like it, it's really good. I, it almost like annoys me when I have someone in my life that says like, oh, let's get together when things settle down or, oh, I'll do that one day when I have time. It's like, there's never going to be, life never settles down, you know? No, it does not. Yeah. I um, have been eagerly anticipating my new book. I don't know if I mentioned it last time or not. Um, The New Crescent City book, which is a Sarah J. Moss series. Yeah. Um, And I've been reading her series for a long time now because she has three different ones. Um, And the third installation of Crescent City came out, I want to say Tuesday. What is today? Today, Wednesday? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, it came out Tuesday. That's usually the day, yeah. Publishing books come out on Tuesdays usually. 
Yeah. And I like pre-ordered it on Amazon, right? And so I was like literally waiting all day, checking to see when it was going to be delivered. And then it finally got here like 6 p.m. And I had stayed up to like midnight reading it and then read some more today. And it's really good. How far did you like, how far are you into it? I'm probably about 200 pages in. So like, is that half or? Oh no, this book is like, I think almost 900 pages. Okay, okay. I knew they were, I knew they were big books, but I couldn't remember yeah. how big. Okay, okay. Yeah, it, it's huge. It may be like 850. Um, yeah, so there's still a lot of a lot to go, but it's really cool because without spoiling anything, because I hate when people spoil stuff, but yeah. it's pretty it's pretty obvious that some of the worlds start mixing because she has like three different series. It's full of really good information. If you're, if you're like geeking <laughs> out about like the lore behind everything, and yeah. it starts, it's like one of those books where like everything starts falling into place. Like a lot of your questions are starting to get answered, and it's just like really hard to put down. It's so good. I fucking love love her books, and there's a lot of crossover with you know a lot of characters that we like. So, oh lord, yeah. So who are we meeting this week? We are talking with Gina from Hellion Shop this week and such I'm so glad that we were able to get her on the podcast because I have known Gina for many years just from prior, you know, writing circles, really. And she's such a sweet person. She's a mom. She's a professor. She's so smart, but our paths had not crossed in, in a while, you know, we just went in different directions. And then I still was following her on Instagram and I started seeing her post a lot about efforts that she was making to end gun violence. Like it from, from the looks of her, in her Instagram, it looked like she was really moved by the Uvalde shooting mm-hmm. and she wanted to make a difference, but I really couldn't, you know, Instagram. It's like, if you're, unless you're really following someone so closely, like you can't get the whole story. Uh, so I wasn't sure exactly how this started or what exactly she was doing, but I was seeing pictures of her with what I assumed were politicians and that she was really trying to make, change like change laws around gun violence and so when I was when we were looking for guests for this season I was like let me just look in to see if there's a way we can talk to, with her and sure enough she had a nonprofit business where she's selling pins and uh, stickers and magnets and she gets into it so I won't go go into it but all of the money goes toward you know ending gun violence and changing laws around. And I'm really just glad that we're able to have this conversation on our podcast. I think it's really important that not only do we have all sorts of different people on our podcast, but all sorts of different businesses and all sorts of different causes, especially, you know, I, I feel like I hope people aren't getting going to be tired of us saying it, but we're, we are going into like another, what I assume is going to be really tough election season. And like, this is one of the things to consider. And I know um, both of us live in Texas and I follow a few groups on Instagram that are working to like end gun violence. Like I follow every town 
on Instagram and like they posted just the other day, a map of the United States and it shows all the different states that don't require a gun license to open carry. And it's 27 states, including Mm -hmm. Texas, including Indiana, where I'm from. And that just makes me sick. So I'm just really glad that we were able to talk with her. And I feel like it shouldn't be a political topic, but it is. But we had a non-political. I felt like the conversation we had with Gina is not political. Like, Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was, it was about people. You know, yeah, people. We're, we're literally talking about people's lives and, and obviously like a really sad story. And her reason for doing it is quite touching. I feel like a lot of people are going to be able to relate. And um, it's super easy to support her, her business. So and like her cause. So I'm excited for this to be to be out there. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm excited to edit it and get it into the ether because it was, yeah, an awesome conversation. And it was a really great example of, you know, if you believe passionately about something, you can make a difference, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it was very inspiring because a lot of times we feel kind of hopeless whenever it comes to these big causes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything makes a difference. So, yeah, it definitely does. And um, I'm excited to see uh, where else she can go with it. Me too. Me too. So, yeah, y'all open your ears and enjoy. It's a, it's a really good episode. Hey, Gina. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. good. Very good. Thank you for asking. And thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, yeah, Nina, I don't know if you remember, but we know each other from a previous life. I do know. I remember very well. Yeah. Um, It's so funny because I was looking through our emails and I'm like, I don't think we ever talked like on the phone. It looks like we did Facebook chat, which is. I know. I know. To me. <laughs> I, but I feel like I know you like I I was like, oh, yeah, I know her. Like it was like <laughs> even. in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. What was the previous life? Yeah, Derek, I don't think you know this, but I have another blog that is under a, a, pin, a pin name. So I'll still keep it a secret um, because it's okay. still out there. Yeah, that's a secret um, to me. I thought I knew everything. <laughs> and through the through that blog, I met Gina. I haven't who, done that in a while, but the, at the time it was like really like, I mean, I don't know if it's still that way, but the community was very like you know, you can meet a lot of pe- bloggers. I make, I made a lot of friends that way. Yeah, me too. Um, I actually like went to someone's wedding that I met like through that blog. Which oh, really? So yeah, That's because crazy. that was the first time that I, like I met them in person. And it was funny being at the wedding because people were like, who are you? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I know them through a blog. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is the fun part about, you know, the internet and social yeah. media, you know, like obviously there's bad parts to it, but that's, that's the fun piece of it, you know? Yeah, it is. You do meet like as much as like, there's like horrible people out there. You do meet cool people. Like there yeah. is that part of it. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I still follow you on Instagram from that. And that's how I saw about this. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. I was wondering, I was like, she must see it on another, on my other social media. So yeah. 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 Full circle. That's I know. 
Well, awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks for joining us, Gina. Um, it's my it's truly my pleasure. I'm really grateful. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. Are you partaking in any adult beverages this evening? Oh no, I'm not like a I'm not really a drinker. I just yeah. like I, I'm just not. Um, so I drink. <laughs> I okay. had my Coke Zero, but I left it downstairs. I just have my water. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need to go grab your Coke Zero? No, no. I had so many today that okay. I, I shouldn't probably. Um, I shouldn't probably have an. Even though I probably will, I right now I'm saying I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's like my vice. it's weird like that's my vice is like coke zero i, I don't know my husband loves coke zero as well um. <laughs> um, saturday night live just did a sketch this weekend about what was it um i forget what it was but the joke was that like coke was like women and diet coke and i was like yeah that's <laughs> totally makes sense but i forget what the, i forget what the joke it was like a fake commercial but it was, it was pretty oh i think it was like skincare and they were like new skincare but it was just diet coke that sure. people were rubbing on their faces yeah <laughs> that <laughs> sounds funny <laughs> no it's all good we have we've had actually quite a few saber guests which is funny because like you know, obviously we're a happy hour podcast, but Holly mm-hmm. she doesn't drink anymore during the weeks whenever we interview because she's sober during the week. I and know. We've had guests on that create like non-alcoholic bitters and all kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. we'll have a, a guest next season, or I guess the season that we're recording for now, that actually has a shop here in Austin where Holly and I live, where they sell all non-alcoholic stuff. It's a non-alcoholic oh, shop. That's so. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we've been learning because I don't know what I'm doing. So, like, that's yeah. why diet, diet Coke is the easiest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Derek, what are you drinking? I know red wine, but like, what kind? So, I was a little bit nervous about this red wine because I, I did kind of like a grab bag at, at um, Total Wine over the weekend because I had, you know, the sale that you told me about, Holly. Yeah. And it was so funny because, like, I usually just search for Pinot Noirs because that's what I like. And they had one that was like Dasher and Dancer. Like, oh, cute. Was the title of it. And I was like, I'm going to get it, obviously, because it's Christmas. But I was a little nervous because I was like, is it not going to be good? And it's actually really good. So, like, okay. Is oh, it, where is it from? You know, California. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was optimistic. Not, it was like from not France. Yeah. yeah. Not France, but, but good <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having the Shirley. It's a non-alcoholic bubbly rosé. You had it, Derek, right? Yeah, like, that one's really good. It is so good. Mm-hmm. The bottle is so pretty. Comes looking just like champagne. Pops and fizzes up. And it's like not sweet. Like it's really dry. It's very good. And look how pretty it is. It's like, what's pink. the brand? Can you say it? Yeah, it's called Shirley, like S-U-R-E-L-Y. And all of their stuff is non, it's like a wine where the alcohol is spun out. So it still tastes like wine, but it's zero alcohol. And if, I don't know if you're a calories person, I'm not, but Derek pointed out to me, like drinking a whole bottle of this is 60 calories. It's crazy. Yeah. So a glass is like 20 calories. That's nothing. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Um, They have white wine they have a bubbly red i really loved it that one comes in cans so you can just drink like one can of it this rosé i haven't tried the white i've just tried the bubbly red and then the rosé both of those have been like so good i like rosé so that's why i was like Mm -hmm. like, maybe yeah and you can check it out yeah they um i got it at total wine okay so it's so good 
Yeah. And it's a really pretty bottle. So I think it's so cool. Like if you were going to a party or if you were gifting it to somebody that's sober or just not a big drinker, like it still looks just as nice. Mm -hmm. Well, Gina, we can get down to business if you want. Um, We could probably keep talking, but (laughs) I would just love to hear you know, obviously Holly, Holly knows a bit more about you than I do. So you can just pretend like I know nothing about you, even though I looked a little bit up. I would just love to hear about who you are and, and what inspired you to, to start creating the pens in your shop. So I guess, I don't know the who, the who you are. I feel kind of boring. I'm just, I feel, I'm just regular person. <laughs> um, what happened? Was, <laughs> just a regular human being. Um, John Legend's music. <laughs> I, um, so it, the, what happened was um, last year, right around this time. So, so for reasons of the story, I'll just say it, it's my birthday is on Friday. So December 8th is my birthday. And last year, right before my birthday, I was like not feeling right. I knew something was wrong with my body, but like I couldn't tell what it was. I was like getting out of breath really easily and just like not just something was wrong. And it kept feeling more and more wrong, but I didn't know what it was. And then one day, it was like my last day of teaching at this one college. And I went up the stairs and I was like, totally out of breath. And I thought I had COVID. I was like, this must be COVID. And a couple of my students had the flu. So I was like, it's it's either COVID or the flu, but like my back, like my upper back was hurting. And I was like, just like really uncomfortable. It was the night before my birthday. I told my mom, I told everybody, I was like, I think I'm getting sick. And my one friend was like, you should go to the hospital. And I was like, I don't know, that feels dramatic. And then the next morning I called the doctor and um, the doctor was like, you have to go to the hospital immediately. So I went and like the whole time I was at the hospital, I was like apologizing. I was like, nothing's wrong with me. I'm embarrassed. Um, This is, I was like, it's my birthday and I'm ruining my birthday for no reason, blah, blah, blah. But I ended up having a pulmonary embolism. Wow. Life-threatening. The nurse actually told me when they finally got the diagnosis, she was like, you saved your life by coming in. And that was like a real uh, gut punch, I guess you would call it. I don't know what to call it. It's like shocking. It's a shocking feeling because you sort of like, you know, I have a son um, who's 12 and you know, or he was 11 at the time. And, you know, just like the thought of like accidentally not knowing that I would ever see him again or all that stuff, you know, it just like floods. Yeah. Yeah. And so it took me a while, like you recuperate physically pretty quickly. Like they give you blood thinners and you recuperate, you know, you might like for a couple little bit, you have a pain, but the the emotional pain or whatever, mental (laughs) anguish, the existential pain lasted quite a while. And it was weird because you would like, I always hear, you always hear stories where people have like near death and then they're like, Oh, you know, they're like, life has meaning and they're like jumping through fields and they're so positive. And like, it wasn't like that. Like I wasn't like, it wasn't, I wasn't like, I was just like in a weird place because I was just I started to feel like um, I started to feel like I never did anything with my life except for my son. I never did anything with my life of value. Like I was like, yeah. I haven't done anything like I'm, you know, I'm old and I what have I done? And I know it's not true. Like, I know, like, 
but in that state of mind. So I was in that state of mind. So I'm kind of like going way back to the, like to why this all happened. I was feeling that way, like just sort of feeling like weird and like, what, what is my purpose? And the news was, is, was very, is as always is very heavy. And I felt like the news was just like very heavy at the time. And um, like the house of representatives had changed over from um, democratic majority to Republican majority. So there's like a lot of changes go, like, I was feeling bad and then work was starting back up after breaks. I was like all this like, and um, I just saw on TV, I was like watching the news and I saw um, George Santos uh, and Elise Um, and like, I forget the other guy um, wearing AR-15 pins on their um, lapels when they, uh, you know, in on the house floor. Yeah. All I could think of First, the first thing I thought of was Uvalde because it was not even a full year since then. It was January 2023 and that was May 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I had like I had seen, you know, them, uh, some of the parents on social media and of course on TV and all that stuff. And I just immediately felt for them, like, what must they feel when they see that? Like how that's what killed their, their child. That's what murdered their child. And, and that's what people are sort of celebrating. And I felt like just so, so upset and devastated for them. It was just like a real, like, it just hit me at that moment when I was feeling all that stuff personally anyway. And I got really mad and like to the point where I was like, I couldn't sleep like that night. I was like, you know, like that, <laughs> like tossing and turning, like, Burr. and I, for some reason, for some reason, I was like, I'm going to make my own pin and I'm going to send it to people in Congress. That was like my idea. Um, is it okay that I keep just monologuing by the way? Yeah. Go okay. for it. We're mm-hmm. enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like looking at stories of, you know, I was trying to get an, an inspiration and I, I had heard it before, but I came back across the story of Maite Rodriguez. And this time I I like searched a little and I saw a video with her mom and everything because I'd only seen like the Matthew McConaughey yeah. video. And mm-hmm. I saw a video and it was just like so simple. Like the story that I've learned since um, from her mom is that, you know, she she wanted these green, she wanted Converse. She wanted Converse sneakers, just regular Converse. And she and her mom, they went shopping for them and they couldn't find what they were looking for. And on the way out of the store, on the bottom shelf, on like the sale rack, she found a box and they were green. Green's her favorite color. And so, and they fit, they were her size. So she put them on and her mom was like, you know, they're green. And she's like, well, if you, if you buy those, you have to wear them. You know how, you know how it is with your, we've all had that with our moms and she loved them and she wore them like all the time. And she graffitied that little black heart on the toe of the right foot. The story has gotten misshapen a little bit by in, you know, like the lore, but the real story is that was like her classmates. It was one of the ways that she was able to be identified after her death was by her shoes. And, um, and so to me, that was like a real, it really 
touched me. Seeing her mom interviewed was very touching and emotional. And it was really such a symbol of like being a kid, like your, your shoes that you drew doodles on and that you loved and you wore them like every single day because they were your favorites and you begged your mom for them. And it just felt so wholesome. Yeah. So I doodled them on my iPad (laughs) and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to make pins out of them. Mm -hmm. So long story short, I did some investigating. I ordered like a bunch of different kinds of pins and they weren't like right. And then I realized I wanted the hard enamel, but to order them, um, is you have to order in bulk to order them because they're really expensive and they don't make them in the U.S. So I was like, I, I, I ordered. I found a, somebody who like was like a third, like a you know the a mediator ordered them from like Hong Kong. So I or so the, they were like expensive. They were like. Yeah. So how many did like, how many did you have to get? I ordered a hundred, and to me that was like ordering a million. I right. was like, "Oh my god, what am I doing?" I thought <laughs> I was taking the biggest risk of my life. It was like, uh, like it was a little under three hundred dollars, which I was like, "That's a lot." Yeah, it's a lot because like, I wanted to mail like eight of them. I was gonna mail them to like, and I was like, "To mail eight of them, this seems like a lot." And I forget if it was me in my brain or somebody else was just like throw them on Etsy whatever mm-hmm. um so bef- so i ordered them and then in the meanwhile i i contacted my tay's mom um and i made sure it was okay with her because i wouldn't i wouldn't imagine like cat like using my day's name without her mom's permission yeah. yeah and so i she she gave me permission um and i said i'll donate so oh, i said i figured i throw them up on etsy maybe some of my friends would buy them and if it took me like years to sell a hundred like who cares and i said i'll donate 20 percent to a a nonprofit. And my day's mom asked me to do Lives Robbed, um, which is the okay. nonprofit yeah. who um, they're parents of Uvalde. Mm-hmm. So I threw them up there. In the beginning, it was like I was right. A couple friends bought them. And then and then I made a TikTok about it, like just like a TikTok. And it blew it blew up in a very little way. But in yeah. one in less than like three hours, the, all of them were gone. <laughs> And people were like asking me for more. So oh then <laughs> that's how that started. I might, I just went into this. You didn't even ask me. I'm telling you the whole story. I'm no, being- but we, we were going to ask you all of that. Okay. I'm sorry. All I just went questions. right into it. No, no. I no, didn't into it because I'm used to telling you. So. Yeah. Yeah. So the funny story is my job and my day job is being a recruiter. And that's typically like, like uh, in my interviews, I usually ask, like, tell me about yourself and what interested you in this position. And nine times out of 10, they answer all my questions. So that's <laughs> the best way to get like, and it's just so natural and conversational, you know, and everyone. Yeah. I think because I know what we're getting at. So I was just yeah. like, I'm just going to yeah. tell the story. I'm sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. It was no. such a, that was perfect. You did great. Um Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah. I think I, I think I know I did see something. I don't know if it was on your Instagram or when I looked at the shop that you kept having to post stuff being like restock is coming or, you know, like you sold yeah. out. 
So what, so in the beginning, it was that just that like a restock. And um, then I found somebody to like direct sale. I didn't have to have like a, like an intermediary, whatever. I don't know if I'm saying the right word person, but then, so another, another like serendipitous thing happened in that somebody from a nonprofit reached out to me and they were like, how do I get every one of these to every member of Congress. And I was like, cause that was like, my idea was to send them. And then I was like trying to figure out how to do like how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And um, in the meanwhile, she had asked me and I was like, Oh, that's so exciting. And then I couldn't figure out the amount because I'm not, a, I, I don't time and money. I don't know anything about sure. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And I think I quoted her too much because I didn't know what, like, I didn't know what I was doing. So then I never heard back from her. And then I was like, so sad. And then I was like, wait, why can't I do that? Why can't I just raise money and do it? So I did, I started a GoFundMe and I raised money to bring the pins to every member of uh, the United States Congress in DC and Lives Robbed, um, their nonprofit has like a, what do you call it? The, the man, the, somebody who manages the person who manages their nonprofit works out of DC. And she's like, yeah, I can help you get set up and organized. So because of her help, like showing me the ins and outs, I don't know anything about the Capitol. Yeah. Um, I was able to do that, to bring them, have volunteers help me and, to meet with some senators and representatives, which was like amazing. I mean, like un- yeah. never imagined. But then Lauren Boebert was filmed throwing the pin out in the trash. Wow. And so then because of that, that during that trip, I blew up again because yeah. everyone wanted the pin that Lauren Boebert threw out. <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay, so so. That became like, a, that was a huge thing. Um, yeah so it was like like little pockets of things like that like that happened and then one somebody bought them for me and then sent them to the view and the women on the view wore them so then like I had a little bump that even though they didn't mention where to get I don't think they mentioned like where to get them or like anything but people like googled and found me they'll find it I decided that after DC DC is like another whole story it's a whole story. It's a whole thing. Um, it was very, it was a lot. I was learning. I did had a lot of learning there. Like it was, I'm grateful for it. And I'm, it, I had a lot of wonderful memories, but it was very difficult. And I learned just like a lot of lessons. Mm-hmm. One thing that I, I was determined to do was to keep handing them out. Mm-hmm. So I decided to do um, Pennsylvania because that's my home state you know, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do that because I, and I can do that. It's, it's local. It's like Harrisburg is like a little bit over an hour. Um, and I knew somebody who worked in the Capitol who helped me. So then last month I was able to hand them out to, with volunteers, with volunteers, hand them out to every member of the PA legislature. And I met with six senators. Um, and it's just like every, that time it was like as hard as DC was, this was like, so, moving and motivating and inspirational and the people the senators I met were really like like good people working for the state of PA and I felt I left there feeling like 
you know what, like, I don't know if change can happen now, but it, it can happen, you know? Yeah. So, and so I decided like, I'm going to, my goal is to bring them to every U.S. capital. I don't know if logistically, if I could hand them out to every member of every state legislature, because I don't know that I could raise that kind of money. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what I've asked for on GoFundMe and what I actually need are. <laughs> right, right. So I, I, uh, but I, 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 my goal is to get like at least somebody to wear the pin in every capital. So like when I was in Florida this summer, I, I made appointments with um, representative Anna Eskamani and representative Kim Burfield, um, one, one Democrat and one Republican, which was really nice. And they both agreed to wear to the Capitol. So I feel like if I could do that by and large, you know, get them everywhere. I really want my face name to be like a household name. Like everybody sees her shoes and knows her story and knows what that symbol is um, for mm-hmm. her mom, you know, for her. Yeah. Mom. Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't know the story before now. So. Mm-hmm. You didn't watch the Matthew McConaughey video, Derek. I did not know. Um, I feel like he's the one that kind of like made her story go a little bit viral because he was yeah. at the white house and explained it. I'll pause you real quick, Holly. Happy early birthday, Gina. (laughs) In a previous job that I had, we went to the Texas Capitol a lot, almost daily. Being on like a, you know, Texas is incredibly conservative Mm -hmm. and we were, you know, on a, like had a democratic agenda, like approaching legislators, like they, I mean, they wouldn't even look at us. So I'm curious about what that looks like. like, what did that look like when you were in D.C.? And like, I I can't imagine. It's interesting because you're not really the you're really most of the people that you're interacting with are their people working at in the office. So in D.C., mm-hmm. it's like mostly interns at the front office in P.A. It's whomever administrative assistants and office folks. And so. It's a little bit nerve. It's definitely nerve wracking. It's definitely the kind of thing, like, especially like some people like going into their office, like there's one uh, senator, especially in PA, I went into his office and I didn't even see him, but I just got like, I was like, bad vibes. (laughs) I don't want (laughs) to go in there, but you have to, because that's what you're there to do. And honestly, nobody, the person who takes it has to give it to the legislator. They can't not um the legislator can do whatever they want like yeah Bobert did I mean on film which is her choice but I uh so you go in and you're just basically like hi I was my you know it's just like hi um these were designed in honor of Maite Rodriguez who died in the Rob Elementary you know Uvalde shooting and then I have up like a little card um, that has like a little bit about my day, a letter from me, like just a little bit about why I made the pins. And then I have a letter from my day's mom. Okay. I also give them. And so most people, even if they were maybe feeling differently, most people were very gracious. Um, they put mm-hmm. on a good face because I think that they have to just take whatever you give them. Mm-hmm. Um and give it to the, give it to the thing. And for the most part, nobody was, nobody was really rude. 
it was, there was a lot of good things. Like I would pass some people in the, like a couple of legislators I passed in the hall were like, where's my pen? I didn't get it yet. <laughs> like they were uh-huh. really, you know, so most people in PA were really kind. DC is a whole yeah. different animal. I, I don't, I don't know how I want to be diplomatic. It's like, I'm naive. I'm a very naive person. And so I'm always like leading with a smile and a, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's not, that's, that's not, that's not what you do there, I guess. It's like, <laughs> you know, and so I learned a lot. I got uh, squished a lot yeah. <laughs> there yeah. and um, I, I wanted it to go well, not for me, because I, at the end of the day, I really want my pay's mom to see her shoes in every capital. I really want her to see how much my pay matters and how, well, she knows, she knows how much she matters, but I want her to see how other people see how much she matters and how much love there is for Anna and for my pay and for all the children and the teachers who died and, you know, so when you're there, that's on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I just felt out of, out of my depths there. I yeah. didn't know how to be like somebody from DC. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm yeah. like not, I, I, maybe it's a good thing. I don't know, but I, I'm, that's one of maybe my, my fatal flaws is like, I, like, I'm not a good kiss up. Yeah. And I'm not like a good, like liar, like, <laughs> like if I don't like somebody it's all over my face um and if I'm like upset like I I will be like taken aback and I but so like when it's just was very it was weird but it was good like I'm really grateful I'm really grateful I don't want I don't want it to come across like I'm not grateful. yeah it's just intimidating I'm sure I feel like the whole everything about what you're doing it seems intimidating because it's like you're approaching all these things you didn't know how to do yeah. And I would like Pennsylvania, I planned the whole thing. So I felt like in charge of it and I'm interacting with people who are from the same state. So it's like, I felt like it's, there's a certain comfort level. Whereas there it's like, it's just, you're interacting with so many different kinds of people and it's very like agenda-based. Everything is. So um, I have to say though, I did meet with um and not not to brag on PA but um I did meet with uh, representative Madeline Dean in DC and she was extremely lovely to me and gave me so much time and that she was that was great and then Bob uh, Senator Bob Casey he wasn't able to be there but his staff gave me so much time they sat with me for a really long time and then he wrote me a personal letter so that oh, was nice wow. because like there were people who were but you know what? They're running around. They're like dealing. You, I don't know if you watch the news, but what they're dealing with on a daily basis. So yeah. I kind of get, I kind of get it. But like, you know, who is this dummy? <laughs> like, you know. Well, they do work for the people. We, I mean, they do work for yeah. us. So yeah, <laughs> just do. to be fair, it's extremely intimidating. And it doesn't make sense. Like when when I went to Florida, Senator Burfield, she's the representative um, in Tampa. She was like, remember that at the end of the day, everybody's in their T-shirt and underwear, like (laughs) watching TV (laughs) and playing games on their phone. And I was like trying to remember that. But it was like, but she's right. She's right. Uh, But it was hard to like, (laughs) it was hard to remember that because I was meeting some people I some people I was meeting. I really 
had admired a lot. And then when I met them, I was like, that's not how I thought that was going to go. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was a little differently. <laughs> I mean, you had the guts to go. I don't, I don't yeah. know if I could say that I would, you know, like that is, that sounds like a terrifying experience to me. Yeah. You had the courage to do it. I so. can tell you that the stress, <laughs> the stomach ache. Yeah. I mean, I would have been shit in my pants, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just, I feel like, oh, and I called two news networks this time and they interviewed me on TV and that was like nerve wracking yeah. too because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, like not this face, <laughs> not this face. And then one wanted to follow me around and I was like, I didn't know my butt was going to be on TV. Like I didn't get a bargain for that. Um, but it was not like, it's so, I, I sound like I'm so ungrateful. Don't, I hope you don't edit me to sound. You ungrateful. don't sound ungrateful. No, you don't sound no. ungrateful. It's just like the funny things, but I kept, I kept saying, and it's true. Like, I just feel like I have to keep falling forward. Like, I don't know what yeah. I'm doing at all. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, like, I'm making mistakes left and right. And I actually, because I want to bring the pins to more states and because like, I can't just keep on GoFundMe being like, support me. Um, I thought I filled out paperwork for a nonprofit, but that's like literally the only, like I got a, like I have the paperwork for it, but that's all I've done because I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) next, you know, January. I plan to like really dive in after the holidays, but it's just the same thing. Like I'm scared to death. I think I'm just like a nobody, like I'm just like a mom teacher but like I just feel like that that experience having the pulmonary embolism just did something to me and it it, um, I just feel really a lot of for some reason I just feel a lot of solidarity with those parents especially my thay's mom my son is the same exact age yeah um Uzi's dad today posted he finally got the official um headstone and bench to go at Uzi's grave and when i saw the date it's like 2 months after my son's birthday is it was Uzi's date birth uh, date of birth and i'm like that you, like that hits you you know yeah um and so it's just like you know, I just feel a kinship. Um, and Anne is a single mom. I'm a single mom. It's like, you, I just feel, I feel, even though I don't really know her that well, I've talked to her sometimes, but like, I, I'm really hands off. Like my whole thing is that I don't want to, I don't want to co-opt anybody's pain. Like I, that's mm-hmm. not what I'm doing. And I don't ever want to do that. My feeling is that from what I've witnessed, um, in any kind of violence, especially gun violence, um, especially mass shootings, is that the it falls on the parents to like be advocates mm-hmm. for themselves to like to convince people that their children mattered to yeah. keep their memory alive, to grieve, and then to do advocacy work. Like that's so heavy, and I'm just like, look, I. I don't, as a mom, as a human being, I don't want that to happen to any other mother's child or person in the world. I, I just like, I can't bear it. Um, but more than that, it's like, I, I have the ability to help do some heavy lifting. Like I can hold the corner of that thing. Um, I don't want to take on your pain. I just want to help you so that it's not your responsibility to do all of it while we just sit around and go, isn't that horrible? You know what I mean? And I feel like that's a lot of what 
what happens in any kind of violent situation. I feel like it's always on the the family to do all that work by themselves. And it's not, it's not right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You're not nobody. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Every time you say I'm nobody, it just makes my skin crawl because sorry. You're You're not, yeah. Well, I get it though. I do get it. And like what you just said, it was just like very profound to me. You know, I've actually never thought about it like that. Yeah. I haven't either. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, like you you're using your privilege to carry the weight of of someone that shouldn't have to. And like there's so much intersectionality to it, you know, like whenever you were talking about like people going through that my mind you know because i'm gay immediately went to like the pulse nightclub shooting in orlando Mm -hmm. like you know like we're all just trying to prevent these horrible occurrences from happening Mm -hmm. and there's you know you mentioned dc and they're all in the pockets of the nra and we're in those pens like it's just like why why is capitalism, which is what we come back to a lot of the times in this yeah. podcast, mm-hmm. preventing us from being able to protect like our our children of all people? Like, can't we at least protect our children? And just like the increase in shootings, you know, it, it's just I just it's mind blowing. So I'm just so happy to hear that you're out there doing the work, you yeah. know, because like you said, a lot of times I'll see the news and just be like, that's heartbreaking and not do anything. So. I feel like I need to take some action too. My son's school, like they have, all schools uh, have the, um, what do you call it? Active shooter training? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. um, What are they called? Um, Drills. Active shooter drills, right? Yeah. So like he was, luckily he wasn't there that day, but um, last year there was a lockdown because a, a child had an episode in another class and attacked a teacher, but they locked down. And when you're, in lockdown you don't know what you as an individual classrooms don't know what it is you're just locked down and his friends one of his best friends told me like kids were because you the only message you get is run hide fight that's it so she told me that kids were grabbing like staplers and scissors to like like that's how they thought they were gonna fight you know and i'm like it's horrifying you know, like these little brains think like, oh, this, you know, I'm going to staple stuff. You know what I mean? It's like not even, it's funny, not funny. You know what I mean? Like it's sad. It's sad. It's really, yeah. and I asked my son, I'm like, how does it feel? Cause we didn't, when I was uh, in school, we didn't have at all. There was, I never yeah. worried about this ever. And then we didn't have drills or anything or training. And he, I asked him, I said, like, what, what does it feel like? Are you scared? And he said, he's 12, and he goes, that's just living in America. And I was like, that's not, that's not, and no kid should have that answer at all to that. And it's just like, I find it devastating. And then as a teacher myself, we were, we went through training and they advised us, we all have tourniquets that we carry around. And I'm like, that's so dark. you probably don't even want me to attempt (laughs) like, I'm not, you know, um, but also it's just awful. Like it's an awful thing. It's an awful reminder every day to have a tourniquet in your school bag. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an awful reminder that kids like have to have like, you know, these drills and have the, you know, police presence all the time. And their police are in every school. Like it's, yeah, yeah. there's crazy. no, yeah, there's definitely no, I, I feel like 
This is something, oh my gosh, whenever the Boston bombing happened, like at the end of the race or whatever, that shooter, um, this is going to sound horrible, but he looked like a Jonas brother and they put him on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Mm -hmm. And we had a discussion about this where, where I worked at the time and it was like, that's the thing is like, people always want to say, oh, well, the person was obviously had problems was a loner making them appear to be a monster from the outside but when you saw this person that what you wouldn't if you saw them on the street you wouldn't look twice and so now we that like general stereotype I guess that you could put on somebody like oh only a a monster whatever you you know we know what most of America thinks a monster looks like Mm. and that's not the case anymore it's it's a white 18 year old male with access to a legal gun. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes it even more terrifying is because no longer can you just say like, Oh, well that person like has issues. No, it's like a friendly person that lives next door to you, which is horrifying. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And the legislation that most people are asking for are just like safety. Like they're not saying, you know, if you love guns, we want to take them all away from you. Like that's a gross misstatement of what it actually is. We just, people just want there to be safety. So like, you know, people can't, it's harder to get a gun, especially if you're having a mental health issue, which by the way, there people are quick to say, oh, it's mental health, but we don't do anything. Yeah. We don't do anything for that either. Like my right. friend, my friend Harry says, like, we don't even know how to help people who are just sad, like let alone right. complicated. Like we don't do it well here at all. And, you know, and says so like other countries have mental health issues and it's a, it's huge. And that's why it makes me nervous to talk about, because I feel like I don't, I don't know the depth and the weight of all of it. I only know my small little piece. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I want to just help at, any way that I can. Usually I feel helpless when I watch the news. Usually I feel like, oh, this is all terrible. And I, I just like want to go to sleep. And then this was like one thing where I was like, I know something small that I can do, you know, like it's just a tiny thing you can do, but if everybody did something little, it adds up. And I can't tell you how many people I hear from that either had gun violence in their like experience gun violence and are buying a pin because, you know, they are, you know, it, it happened to them or they knew my day or they live near Evalde or they live near a place that had a shooting and just the stories that people send me. And I realized early on that people are m- most moved by stories, that stories really move people. Yeah. And so maybe we need more of that. Maybe we need to know more stories because that's really the only thing I think, you know, numbers, we already know that t- um, guns are the number one killer of children in America. And, you know, the gun lobby's like, well, that's the price of doing business. And I'm like, well, no not and so maybe if you put like names and stories to children um to see what the world is missing like for just for people listening you know uvalde is a small town in texas and there's um a lot of black and brown uh minorities that live there and i i think the question has been raised a lot of times like 
you know, we see it all the time with missing minority children that the parents have to advocate, like what you're saying. And a lot of stuff went wrong in the, in the recovery, this shooting that even over a year later, they're still trying to figure out what happened. Why weren't the police in there? And I know I follow, it might be Uzi's dad. I follow him on Twitter. I, if it is the right person that I'm thinking of, but it is a father of um, a child that was killed in the shooting. And he's always posting so much about lives robbed. And he and a few other parents had to do like a stakeout where they slept outside the, I believe it was the superintendent's office. Oh, yeah. yeah. Almost a week like before anyone would even talk to them, they were outside on cots. Like these people slept outside. Can you imagine having to like go to your public school and like literally set up a tent? The city was like putting barricades to like block them from getting food delivery because random people on Twitter were like door dashing them pizzas and stuff. I just feel like these parents, especially, and you know, who knows if, the color of their skin is the reason why, but it's like they have not been heard whatsoever. So I do think it's important that other people spread the message because they're obviously being ignored, you know? Yeah, especially that I think that that's one of the big factors for them is that it's not just having to do with guns, but it's also the black and brown families. Yeah. And um, that for some reason... (laughs) makes a barrier for some people and uh, and they've met with so much pushback. They would drive to the Capitol like daily begging for, but anyway, <laughs> they, um, they, he, they wanted them to bring the vote to the floor and they wouldn't even bring a vote to the floor. It was like that kind of, I think eventually they did, but um, it's just like what they had to do, um, what they have to do. And the stuff that people say to them online, I'm always like, what? Like these people deserve like love and support and understanding and like to grieve as in any way they deserve. And the stuff that people say to them is awful. I'm like, oh my God, you know, like I, I can't imagine saying that to anybody, not to mention somebody who lost their child, but I can watch most things and I love true crime, but um, this is not true crime. This is like, this story is, is I'm only saying that because to show how difficult it is. Um, 2020 did a, and CNN both did episodes on Uvalde. And as, um, I mean, as used to, sorry, as used to crime as I am, I can't watch either of them, but it shows you, it shows you the officers going into the school hearing the gunshots and backing up and the fear on their face. And these are adults and you know, watching it, that there's babies in that room Um, and what they had to go through. I, but that's what you see. You actually physically see like to see it like, cause you on the news, a lot of the pictures that we got at the time were cops waiting outside, which looks dodgy but then when you see it happening you hear it and you see them back up you're like yeah nobody wants to go in nobody wants that to happen exactly that's what that your instinct is to back up so why why would why do you want to let people keep doing that (laughs) you don't even want to go in there so um it's really upsetting and it's really upsetting that they don't have answers and that they have to keep fighting and that they have to deal with just like trolls online who are treat them horribly. 
Yeah, that's obnoxious. I mean, it breaks my heart mm-hmm. whenever you said that your son said that's just living in America, mm-hmm. which is unfortunately true. Like just the amount, the increase in school shootings, you know, because you mentioned that, you know, whenever you were in school, it wasn't a thought in your mind. Mm-hmm. Me either. I mean, I graduated high school in 2005. Okay. Obviously, Columbine happened like in 99, you know, but that was like the first big thing, you know, Columbine. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were things before it, but that was like the big one that stuck out of my mind. But even with Columbine, like it was never a concern in my mind. And now there's active, you know, shooter drills. And even at work today, literally in our HR department meeting today, we were talking about having one for our workplace, you know, and I'm like, what? why does it have to be this way mm-hmm. you know it it's shouldn't just, be uh, we're all held right. hostage it <laughs> doesn't make no. sense right nobody and, wants and, it <laughs> nobody wants it and you mentioned like people you know people that buy the pens live near somewhere where there's been a shooting that's everywhere now right you know like everywhere we're near where there's been a shooting mm-hmm. right so it's just it's beyond frustrating but. it's horrible and i i don't know i don't know if i'm expressing myself eloquently enough but it's it should make people want to act if nothing else just if you don't want to do advocacy advocacy work just to share stories in another way or just you know encourage people to be more open-minded about change good change that can save lives Um, because it shouldn't happen shouldn't happen to anyone and shouldn't happen to children and you know in philadelphia there's a real gun violence problem Um, A lot of community, you know, um, I spoke with Senator Hughes when we went to the Harrisburg Capitol um, and, you know, that one of the things we talked about and is that, you know, they want there to be more like community policing, working with the community. So to maybe make change, but you have a lot of like people who are disenfranchised and have been suffering in their communities for a long time. And then, you know, the gun violence has increased. And unfortunately, a lot of times on the news, you see children accidentally in in the crossfire. That's what happens a lot. And even then, you know, you see maybe a mom gets like two seconds on the news, maybe, or you'll see moms gathering together, parents gathering together to like in their communities to talk about it. And you're like that, that, those stories need to be heard everywhere. They, those moms de- deserve voices on a bigger stage because, you know, they're talk- obviously they're talking to each other in grief and I'm glad that they have, people have community support, but I feel like more people need to hear those stories because it really, I think you at, the, at this point, I don't know if people feel shame anymore, but I feel like you need to do as much as you can to like shame people <laughs> into thinking like, what, what are you, what are you supporting exactly? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's real because meanwhile, you know, people that are against gun control are worried about drag queens hurting children. You know, like, I don't think drag queens are really hurting children. I think the no, guns are, one, not a one, you know, <laughs> so. I'm curious going back a little bit. So, so 20% of the proceeds from the pins goes to lives robbed. And then do you know, off the top of your head, like what sort of initiatives do they, like, what do they use the money for? They go. I know that they travel to D.C. a lot to meet with legislators and to attend to like any kinds of like vigils and and things like that. And they meet and they meet with 
um, legislators regularly, okay. uh, but I don't know specifically. It might be better to go to their website because I know they do things in and around, you know, Texas in Uvalde, I think is specifically. And like I said, they go to the Capitol building, the Texas Capitol, you know, and they'll go like whatever. I think it's a long drive. Isn't it like a six out? Isn't it like hours back and forth to like, you know, I guess just to do advocacy work and educate. Yeah. Yeah. I actually went to an event um, where some parents um, and siblings of victims were there, but I also know um, like when you went, when you mentioned they came to kind of they were fighting for a specific bill the ledge will tell them oh yeah we'll meet with you and then they either don't or they wait until 10 11 p.m that night so these are folks that have jobs and lives like they need they have to take the whole day off of work they probably have to stay overnight because mm-hmm. it's so far away like i think it's people not cheap it's not I, cheap. I, yeah i think people forget that like not everybody has the luxury of just not working mm-hmm. And it's the emotional toll, like imagine, imagine having to do that work of like your child was murdered and now you are responsible to drive six hours both ways, give up your work, give up the pay for the day, maybe depending and sit there and have the emotional toll of waiting to tell somebody to ask somebody to care. Yeah. And then maybe they meet with you. Maybe they don't. And then you have to drive home because you have other kids or whatever responsibilities. And then you have to get up and do it again tomorrow. It's it's absurd. Yeah. It's absurd is what it is. And anyone that would make you do something like that shouldn't be in office in my if I may. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with, you know, it's a big goal of mine to go to the Texas legislature, but I would definitely want to hand out a pin to every member like their office and i would definitely um need need inside info for that one because i you need you need someone on the inside to help you like learn where all the offices are and everything so that's like one of my like long-term like i definitely want to do that one obviously in texas yeah yeah holly and i are still here when that happens we are volunteers (laughs) so let us know yeah they they only meet every other year so yeah, oh, okay. It's, okay. It it obviously stands alone in the way that it runs. And fun fact, the actual Capitol building is larger than the United States Capitol in Washington D.C. Wow. Oh my gosh! I'll yeah, need like it, an army because it's a it, lot of walking. It is huge in there. Well, Gina, we have kept you for a long time. No, I'm Holly, sorry. I've like blubbered, blubbered, blubbered. No, I, I'm apologizing because we've kept you a long time. No, it's fine. Holly, I was afraid I, I wasn't going to have anything to say. Oh, <laughs> I knew that wouldn't be a problem because like, I mean, this is just such a big topic. You know, we it could is. go forever about it. Um, <laughs> Holly, are there any questions that you had that you didn't want to answer or that you that you didn't get to ask? Sorry. <laughs> I I think my, which this is one you don't have to answer if you don't feel comfortable. I'm just curious, like, in your opinion, whether you agree with this opinion or not, like, what do you think that obstacle is to, like, ending gun violence? Like, whether it's a logical obstacle or you agree with it or not, like, what is it? Like, we say it's capitalism. What is it? So I, that was, like, one of the big questions that I was asking um, some of the people that I met with in the Senate Mm -hmm. uh, in PA. And... I got two very good answers, and I think it's a combination of both. One of them is that if you're on a if you're on the side uh, the political side where most people 
um, are like against any kind of any form of um, gun sense or gun control, uh, gun reform, that if you come out in support of it, that you won't get reelected. So mm-hmm. it's essentially mm-hmm. like the fear of losing your job. Okay. And so one of the senators, I think Senator Capaletti said, you know, that's why sometimes you see people at the end of their career flip because they get mm-hmm. a conscience, they get a conscience, but they don't, you know, they're not, they're retiring. They don't have to worry about getting reelected. Um, and then um, the one that I really think, and this is what, um, Senator Costa said, and I really, and Senator Costa is from the Pittsburgh area, and that's where the Tree of Life shooting was. And he actually had uh, friends in that, in that, who died in that shooting. It was a synagogue shooting um, in PA. He said, and I, this is what I tend to agree with um, money, that the gun lobby pays legislators, lawmakers money, and the money they make is really good. Why would you? Why would you want to give that up? Um, Mitt Romney makes, I think, like 12 million a year from the gun lobby. I mean, it's all it's all published. You can find out. Yeah. I mean, absurd amounts of money. Mm -hmm. And so you can't how how can you vote? How can you be ethical? Yeah. If Someone's paying you 12 million dollars a year. So um, capitalism. As- <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said it in a nice, neat way, but yeah, yeah that's. I mean, yeah. I think that's what it is. It's money, crazy. it's money and power, which is like, yeah, I think yep. maybe some people get into politics because they want to, they earnestly want to change. But I think the problem of money and power, I don't know how to solve that. And capitalism, I don't know how to solve that because it it eventually, you know, I mean. You want to you want to keep getting elected. You want to keep getting a really good salary. You want to keep making rules and you know getting getting on TV or whatever the thing is. And so it's like becomes less about the people and more about the game. Yeah. And I think I saw I don't quote me on this, but I saw a YouTube video that said I think no matter what side. Democratic or uh, Republican, that um, legislators only vote with the people something like 30% of the time. Like if you have people who all like universally want something, it's like Mm -hmm. 30% of the time they vote more with lobbyists than they do with the people that they represent. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that doesn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? You're going to keep selling your pins. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> Raise money. Hopefully, you know, do a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Like no, getting, getting the pins in the door, getting the shoes in the door, literally. Getting, getting yeah. my, I have a, the, I have like my, get my pace shoes again across the United States. is like my little hashtag. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, uh, keep so it up. Like, if you ever need a. You ever need a pep talk we're here okay. we support you. i know now we need to buy our pins i saw you saw I, obviously i will yes <laughs> i saw because at first i was like wait because it's like there's pins and magnets and stickers because if people ask me for something i'll sell it yeah uh-huh. within reason within reason yeah, yeah. um but <laughs> some people don't like pins yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, you don't have to wear it. It's just the idea. But neither here nor there. So I got the magnets and the stickers because, like, and stickers are hugely popular. Everybody likes the stickers. Yeah. So yeah. 
Well, you I know. think I saw a necklace too, right? Yeah, somebody, they asked yeah. me, I'm not really happy with how they came out, but um, it was like an experiment. Somebody asked me yeah. and I was like, okay, uh, if you know, if you want it, I can get it in a reasonable yeah. way. But I'm like not trying to like, like I'm really trying to be careful to not exploit. Um, but yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that whenever you said that you asked her mother for permission, um, that was all I need to hear. You know, I yeah. mean, I mean, it's not like you're getting rich off of it, right? No. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. I just, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know if you ever met somebody who you just like instinctive. Well, I just like, like I said, it's weird. I just like helping people. I don't. It's just like a yeah. thing. She's just like the kind of person you meet, and you're like, what can I do? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, well where can uh, where can people find the shop? You, my Etsy shop is called Hellion Shop, but it's one word, and it's H E L L I O N Shop, mm-hmm. one word. Um, because there's other shops that call themselves that, and then there's I notice that some people will use that tag if they sell like they have like an art of the shoe. <laughs> So if, if you type in Hollywood okay. shop, some other ones will come up, but it'll be clear. I think it'll be clear which one it is. Because okay. I think the I think I title it like proceed. The first thing it says is like proceeds donated to end gun violence. Yeah. And then I will have I do have my GoFundMe. What I'm going to do is transition that into the nonprofit. As soon as I my first thing step is to get a website and then I'll yeah. figure out how to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, it was so much fun. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. I feel like you guys are pals now. I feel I like you're my <laughs> We are. We are. Yeah. yeah. Consider us friends. Uh, this is really awesome lovely. I really, now. really enjoyed this. I'm really happy for both of you. This is a really great show. It's really fun concept. And I had a really good time. Good. Um, That's yeah. our goal. You know, ever, yeah. we want it to be fun and laid back you know um yeah like it or not you know we 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 don't take things overly seriously even if it is a serious topic you know um i think it's a a good way to consume you know so and a good like good you guys have like you're both great and then you are great together so it's really nice yeah thank you cool awesome well have a great night gina thank you bye Bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Holly, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at OrangeJulia7, also on thebitterlemon.com and on Etsy, Bitter Lemon Digital. And Derek, where can people find you? So I am on Instagram with my personal account at Yoga with Derek, and that's D-E-R-E-K, spelled the correct way. And on Instagram for Yoga for All Humans, it is at Yoga for All Humans on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, don't judge my TikTok game. I'm still learning. On LinkedIn, you can sync up with me, Derek Hagler, on there. And Yoga for All Humans has its own LinkedIn account as well. And of course, yogaforallhumans.com is the studio's website. Small Business Happy Hour has its own Instagram account at Small Business Happy Hour, or you can email us at smallbusinesshappyhour at gmail.com. 
Cheers. Cheers. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.